You're listening to Marathon Church Podcast. We exist to build communities that love Jesus, love people, and live on purpose. To learn more about Marathon Church, visit MarathonChurch.org. We hope that this encourages you today and builds your faith. Enjoy this week's message. So good. Have a seat. I don't feel like there's any other pastor that would start a message like that. Come on. And can I get an amen out there? Yeah, online. Can we make some noise for all of our online viewers, everybody? Oh, yeah. I wish you were in this room. It was, it's very energetic in here today. Isn't it? Very, turn to your neighbor and say, it's very energetic in here today. We paid the power bill. We're good. We're good. My name is Chase Callahan. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, it's just an honor that I get to be up here and do this. And I do. I and I, I tour a little bit and do all that stuff. And I wrote that song. Uh, gosh, it's been years ago I wrote it. And uh, give it up for Brennan right here. Thank you, Brennan. We all talked about, we're like, this is going to be awkward, but let's just do it. So we're going to call it like it is. One more time for Brennan Henson, everybody. So good. <laughs> I love you, dude. Um, no, I wrote that song many years ago, and um, it was just when I was in a place where I was just down, and I felt like spiritually I was dry. You know what I mean? Has anybody, anybody been in that place before where you're just like, oh, gosh, I just... Some people are like, yes, I'm there, Lord. I know. I need you. And, uh, and I, what I, what's crazy is I wrote that song many years ago, and throughout the years, I felt the same thing. And it wasn't until I went to Nashville, Tennessee, and I, I went with some other writers and producers, and I said, here's my heart. And I heard, I heard one of them say, it's almost like you need a holy wind to blow and ignite that fire again. And I said, yes. And from that point on, like, it, it was a whole nother thing because the truth of the matter is, is that we can sing that, oh, stoke the fire, Lord, please. But most of us, we go, stoke this fire with what I tell you to stoke it with. And the, the whole point is, like, when you have a breath of fresh air through God's breath, and he breathes into a fire that is dwindling down, and it's just embers and ash, and you think there's nothing left, then it ignites. But if you try to put God in a box and say, breathe on this fire, but I'll tell you what to put in it. God goes, mm, it doesn't work like that because that's not what's best for you. And so today my prayer is that you, you hold on to that. Where you walk out of this place ignited again. Full of passion for the Holy Spirit. Maybe today, this, this might be the best day of your life because you find Jesus today and your fire actually starts and it ignites. Maybe that's today. But for some of us, maybe today is a spiritual reawakening for you today. Anybody ready for that today? Come on. Anybody? Okay. <laughs> okay, cool. I feel like a bunch of Baptists up in here. All right. All right. Uh, preach it, brother. Here we go. Let's move on. All right, we are in a series called Unconvinced When Doubt Confronts Faith. And uh, Brian started it off, and he did an amazing job. What happens when bad things happen? What, what, what's to come out of that? When that comes knocking at your door, what happens? That? And then Eddie came in last week, talked about the afterlife. Holy cow. It was like, psh, 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 right? And it was amazing. And so then they gave me 
this week's uh, topic and this week's Bible uh, you know, journey on when you lose your faith or when you feel like you're losing your faith. And uh, I don't know if they do that because like, I'm very energetic and so they're like, this is a really heavy series, so in the middle, I'm going to need you to pick it up a little bit. That'd be great. I don't know. But I love this topic because it hits home, like I told you with the song, but it also, I have friends, one in California that literally, that I was on tour with him, and he, he saw, I saw miracle after miracle. He, he witnessed, like, God move in a mighty way, and something happened, and he walked away from the faith. And it's, it breaks my heart. And, and I watch him struggling, trying to get answers and questions to things that we, we probably won't know this side of heaven. So how do, you, how do you deal with that? What's the solution for that? When doubts or questions come into play, what, what happens? And so in a couple of weeks, we're going to be having a panel and we're gonna have some, maybe you have some questions about this series and some of the things that are going through your head. I'm gonna leave this up there for a minute, but I, I would love for you to text that and that's, very bold, okay? Because having questions come out of pastor is always like, ah, don't hurt me, you know? But if you have questions about your faith and you want us to talk about those on the panel, we're gonna try to go through as many questions as we can, but that's in a couple of weeks. And, uh, and I would love for you to ask that, but I'll, I'll, I'll keep that up there. But have you lost your faith? Have you lost your faith? Today, I could sit here and we could talk about how people or why people lose their faith over and over and over. And I can give you every kind of scenario or whatever. But I would rather focus on what I believe is a solution to this. In today's society, we are faced with all kinds of just curveballs coming at us. And we are faced with some trials. We're faced with pain and um, I've seen people lose their faith and I've seen people's true colors come out. And I have, um, I have witnessed firsthand like people questioning and doubting God. But I have good news for everybody today. Like I said, the world's filled with bad news. I wanted to give some good news today. Um, I probably will step on some toes because mine have been beat up all week. Um, and that's okay. That's all right. But I need you to buckle up, stay with me until the very end, because I want you to be a part of this solution. If you have had questions like, uh, God, why? Or you had questions of how could you, God, do this? I want to talk to that. I want to talk to those that have, that feel numb, um, I mean, like there's been, me and my wife have been through a season over the past few months and it just is like one thing after the next and, and it could be a lot worse, but it's still not a season you want to go through. And so someone asked me the other day, like, how you doing? And I said, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not good. I'm numb. And so your pastor is preaching to you today from a place of where God is lifting me out of this. And I know what you're going through. I know what you're feeling. And I'm praying that this solution at the end will, will help all of us here today ignite a fire and go out and change the world, change our families, change our schools, our workplaces. That's my prayer for today.
Did you know that Jesus himself questioned the plan? Yeah, he did. He, he showed me, I was like, you know, when people go, okay, I can, wait, I can question God? You know, you got to sound like a Southern pastor when you say, God, you know, um, I can have doubts with God. Yeah, you can. Son of God, question the plan. Where do I find that? Here we go. Luke 22. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to be in Luke for the most part today. Okay. So we'll be back and forth. If you have an app, if you don't have the app, I'd encourage you to get it because the notes are in there, but I also have a gift for you in there, a, a good resource for you. Luke 22, Father, now, oh, sorry, let me paraphrase this, with, he's going to be crucified. Jesus is getting ready to be crucified, tortured, mocked, ridiculed, beaten. And so he goes to the garden to pray, and he says in Luke, Jesus says, Son of God says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Pause. God, I don't, it's not that I want to do this. Don't want to do it. I just, if there's, if there's another way, if there's another way, will you please take it from me? And then we get to the second part. Yet, everybody say yet. Yet, I want what? Your will to be done not mine. When people lose their faith, what I've seen is another Jesus, so to speak, in the garden. Having questions, having doubts, going, God, what are you doing? This doesn't make sense. And we forget the last half of it. Because we go, God, if you're willing Make this suffering go from me. Let it pass from me. Okay? But then when God doesn't do it the way that you want it to be done, we go, and you start running from God. You start blaming God. You start doing everything against God, and you say, it's your fault. It's your fault. And we forget that your will be done part. Immediately, that becomes about you and I and what we want. It becomes about, I'm okay, Lord, if you want to, to send me through the fire, I guess I'll go. But, but, but it, it has to look like this. Wrong. Wrong. Your will be done, not mine. This verse gives me so much encouragement. You know why? Because based off that verse, it tells me that God can handle your doubts and your questions, but he really wants your trust. You know why he wants your trust? Let's look at Jesus as the ultimate example, because that's what I believe. It's biblical. I base my life off of the life of Jesus. Jesus, he questioned, yes, I, God, if there's a way, please, but you know what's crazy? What's crazy is that Jesus knew the Father. Jesus knew the Father and the Father's heart. 
Jesus knew the Father and the Father's heart, and guess what he did? He followed through. Jesus knew the Father and the Father's heart, and he followed through. Let me ask you a question. Do you know the Father and the Father's heart, and are you willing to follow through even when it doesn't make sense? If the answer to that question is no, I'm not willing to, then you don't know the Father. This is not a come into your church class and get a star, okay? This is a real life or death situation. Eternity is in the balance, and you need to know the truth. The truth is following Jesus is not easy, but it is the best, best decision of your life. Why? Because it's the only hope you got. In a messed up world like this, you can see how bad it would be without God. And some of us are oblivious. We don't get it. Why? Because we're not choosing to, because you need to be pampered. You need to be all petted. I'm telling you, I'm, <laughs> I'm passionate about this topic because I've watched my friends fall away too much to stand in the, in the back and go, I'm good. Go ahead. It's, it's cool. I'm not okay with that. I'm not. Online, I'm not okay with that. I I don't know where you're at sitting there in your living rooms or whatever it may be. Maybe God's talking to you today. And you're sitting there and you've lost your faith because of trial, because of pain, because of abandonment, because of an abusive situation. I don't know, maybe in this room, I have no idea where you are on your faith journey. I don't. But what I do know, what I do know, is there is a God who loves you despite what you feel, what you think, and he wants a relationship with you. Paul, he, he puts, Apostle Paul, he puts it this way. He, he says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is... Something hoped for, but it doesn't mean that you're going to see it necessarily. That's faith. I love the way that Eugene Peterson puts it in the message. He says, the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm, what? Foundation. Foundation. So that means it's a starting point. It's, a, it's what you build everything off of under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. The fact, the act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors and set them above the crowd. Your faith in what you can't see sets you apart because the world tells you that you need material things to be satisfied, to give you hope. If you can see it, feel it, smell it, then you can have hope. What Jesus says is, no, 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 no. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And and it doesn't matter if you see it or not, I'm working. It's like the wind. You can feel the wind, you can't see the wind, but you can feel the effects of the wind. I, I can tell you there's a God. I can tell you that I walk by faith and not by sight. Doesn't mean that I can tell you that it's comfortable. I have had so many things in my life, personally, that just hit me. That doesn't mean that I just give up. Doesn't mean that he's not who he says 
that he is or says he was. Faith is not walking through life having all the answers. Faith is walking through life not having the answers, but trusting in a God who is working and will finish the good work in us that he started. That's faith. So many of us, if we're being honest, we want a genie instead of a God. We want to be able to go, grant my wish. And boom. That's not how it works. God is not a genie. He's not. So stop asking him to be and actually have a real relationship with him and watch what he does in your life. Watch what happens when things start turning around. We want our wishes to be granted. If that doesn't happen, he's not who he says he is. Had too many of my friends share that quote with me. And they choose to believe that he is a genie. And they've missed it. They missed the whole thing. Look, I want to talk real with you. I get that pain and tragedy can cause us to lose our faith. I mean, in question. I, I, I stood right here yesterday. This whole room was filled with all sorts of people because a student of mine passed away. He had a car accident and a wreck. And I watched all of these people right here come in and I go, God, I have so many questions. I have so many things in my mind that I go, why? And I could see how people can lose faith in a time of tragedy. I get it. But I want you, I want to clarify some things before we jump too far into that, losing faith during tragedy. There's a church that we've networked with for a long time called Saddleback Church out in California. And a pastor there is Rick Warren. He's been around for a long time. He wrote a book called Purpose Driven Life and Purpose Driven Church and all kinds of stuff. And it's, he's amazing. And I heard him. He, he lost his son to suicide. And it was a tragedy. And I want to share what he wrote and he said, because it's so true. He said, we always want an explanation for everything. We want an explanation for everything. The reality is God doesn't owe any of us an explanation for everything that happens in this world. And on top of that, you ready? Explanations don't comfort. The comfort of God is what comforts. Meaning this, my wife could die tonight. It would be devastating. Devastating. But if I got the explanation of why she died, it still doesn't take away the pain that she's not there. That explanation is not going to be enough for me to hold on to and go, okay, that makes me feel better. Okay, great. I'm going to have peace now. No. Explanations do not comfort. What comforts is God. And his power, his peace. See, my grandpa, um, his name was his nickname was Porkchop, and uh, yeah, I, his I think his real name was Preston. I always know him as Grandpa Porkchop. <laughs> and uh, 
he died when he was really young, like in his 50s. Closer I get to 40, I realize 50 is really young, right? And uh, he died of cancer. And I was a little boy when he died. And, and uh, I remember, I, mean, I grew up in a, a Christian home, and, and I remember asking God, why? Why would you take my best bud? Why would you do that? And I realized through counseling and through pastors speaking into me, and through scripture even, is that my grandpa, God didn't take my grandpa. Cancer took my grandpa. Sin from the very beginning took my, my, my best friend. That's what took my grandpa. What God did was gave him an ultimate healing. Do you see? God works in the unseen all the time. We're too prideful to see it. We're too selfish to make acknowledgement of it. The things of this world, like I said, we won't always understand or have answers to this side of heaven. But what I do know is that we start blaming God for a lot of our issues. And that's what starts to make us lose our faith in who he is and who he says that he can be. What I love is that we, we serve a God, and if you don't know God, you can serve him too. We serve a God that specializes in bringing good out of bad. Did you, do you hear that? How? How, Chase? How is that possible? Because I serve a God who takes a crucifixion and turns it into a resurrection. I have visual proof that my God that I serve is a healing God. It just may not be the way that I see it. He is a miracle worker. He is, like the song says, a way maker. That's the God we serve, and we need to start getting excited about that God. Not the God who, how and why, tell me, like a little toddler in a tantrum. I'm not saying it's not painful. Trust me. I have cried my eyes out. I have been on my knees. I have felt like I can't breathe before. And in the middle of it, I'm, I am saying, God, what are you doing? But it doesn't mean that I've lost faith. That means I trust that you're working behind the scenes and you're going to walk through this with me. Why? Because you turn crucifixions into res resurrections and you can do that with me personally. God is a good God. Chase, you don't know. The way that you just took that thought and that breath, he's a good God because you could be God. Your heart is beating because he's a good God. There is three wills, so to speak. God has a will. You know who else has a will? Satan has a will. Truly. And we have a will. You have a will. Well, it must have been God's will for that man to be murdered. No. It's, it's like if I left this place, got drunk, got in a car, went and I killed three people on the road on 153. Was that God's will? No. Whose will was that? My will. We tend we tend to put God in all these places for people's bad decisions, or maybe it's your bad decisions. 
Stop blaming God for your bad decisions. Stop blaming God for someone else's bad decisions. That wasn't God's will. It wasn't. You know, God could, you know what? He could get rid of the pain. He could get rid of the tragedy. He could get rid of all the sin. He could get rid of all of it. You know how? By getting rid of you. And me. And anyone else that has the freedom of choice. He could. The truth is that's what makes heaven so great. When sin came into this world, from the very beginning, God knew he had to send a son. And he had to wipe it clean so you could actually have hope again. This wasn't part of God's plan. That's what I believe. So he sent his son to die an awful death so that you and me that have messed up, broken lives can actually live again. But it's our will be done a lot of times, not his will be done. We are made in his image, yes. So we have the the choice or we, we have the freedom to choose. And typically, we choose the wrong thing and that turns into tragedy a lot of the times. You... You can have uh, faith today because you can serve a God that turns crucifixions into resurrections. And you need to remember that. You need to start telling people about that. Now, you have another side to it where people go through tragedy and pain and all of a sudden they are flourishing, like they're thriving. They're stronger than before. They're, They're closer to God than before. How is there so many back and forth? Well, we could get into that. We don't have time. But I think it's these right here. And I'm going to leave this up. And if you have the app, you can take a picture of this because this is a great scorecard. They stay close to the source of life, Jesus. They plant themselves in rich truth, biblical truth, God's word. And they trust that even when they don't see it or feel it, God is working. How are you doing on this? Are you close to the source? Are you close to Jesus today? Are you putting your your whole life and your foundation inside the biblical truths and the promises that he has for you daily? I'm not saying go play kumbaya for two hours before work. That's not what I'm saying. On your way to work, are you filling your mind and your body with biblical truth or godly truth? I'm a, I'm a big country fan, pop country fan, you know? Fancy like Applebee's, like, all right, you know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm a huge fan, love it. I love country, but I also know this. <laughs> I know when I've had too much country, because I'm like, Oh, my dog died, you know, like, it's what I feel like, you know, like, uh, you know, like, it's what I know when my spirit is draining. And what do I have to do? I have to fill myself back up. I have to, and it's true. 
My, my mom and dad used to tell me all the time, garbage in, garbage out. Anybody else heard that before? Okay, cool. Okay, two people. Great. Awesome. Um, when you put stuff inside, guess what's going to naturally come out? If you're talking and listening all the time to mama divorced my daddy and I'm all sad about it now and I just have no hope. Guess what? Mama's probably going to divorce daddy and you have no hope. You know. But, and if you're listening to all kinds of stuff that are just pouring in your head of, you know, all kinds of crap, you know, sorry, can I say crap from stage? <laughs> it's better than the other, just say it. If you're, if you're having all this garbage in, guess what's going to come out? Garbage. And so that's what this is. The pl- you need to plant yourself in truth, God's word and his promises. Th- there's a song called Waymaker. That's t- like, man, he is a way maker. He's a miracle worker, healing God. And I'm going to, I'm going to sing this over my kids today. It's, you got to choose. You got to turn. You got to turn it to where you are pivoting your thoughts. That's part of this whole thing. I want to sort of land the plane today with a couple of verses you might have seen this, but I want it to be not my words, but his. And, and Jesus, he, he does this awesome thing. He tells these parables. And if you don't know what a parable is, it's just like a, back then there was a story that he would tell um, to people to try to relate and try to explain God's vision and character and, and the truth of the gospel back then. Like he, he'd do this in parables. And so he's talking to this farmer uh, and these people, like like agriculture people, right? Like all these farmers. That was a big deal back then, farming, right? And so he's trying to get their attention. And so in Luke 8, he says this at the end of 4. Luke 8, end of 4. He said, he told this parable, Jesus did. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on. And the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it, and then it choked the plants. Verse 8 says, still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. If we skip down to verse 11, people are like, wonderful speech, sir. Tell me, what, what does that mean again? Can, can you help me out? What does that mean? So he says, this is the meaning of this parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then how about this? The devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. Sound like people that lost their faith? Let's pause. We, we forget that there is an enemy out there. His name's Satan. And he wants to kill, steal, and destroy you. And his, his job, he has a will. <laughs> and his job wants to take what is so good for our hearts and so good for us, and he wants to take it away. And then in verse 13, it says, those on rocky ground are those who receive the word with joy, and then they hear it, but they have, not, they have no root. There's no depth to them. That's like the, I'll come in here every other week, knock it off the list, I'm out. Uh, Then, right here, um, they believe for a while, but the time of testing 
they fall away. 14, the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, pleasures, and they do not mature. Y'all seeing this? But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by preserving, produce a crop. I, I love that because it gives you actual visuals. I'm a visual person, and it gives you visuals. What, let me ask you this. What seed are you sowing? What seed are you sowing? And, and which one, which seed has, has, have you been sown? Here in just a second. I, I want to talk to some, uh, well, let me, no, let's go there. Let me talk to parents, uh, grandparents, people that are over, maybe your brother or sister, it doesn't matter, those that lead their families. It's our job to sow good seeds. That's our job. I get passionate about this because I do a lot with the next generation and I'm just like blown away. I, I'm walking up the stage for service and I get a statistic that only 42%, 42% of claiming Christians, so to speak, want to come back into the church. Okay. Then, then, as, a, uh, as again, another person in students, I'm watching kids and students fall away from the faith and say, I don't know if I believe anymore. So I, me being a pastor and me being someone that wants to advocate this and like go, okay, they're not just students, but there are people that are falling from the faith. So what, what can I do? How can I help this statistic? So I do some research. And I'm not trying to bore you at all, but I think we need to wake up in this room for a little bit. There was a study, a survey conducted by the uh, Barna Group that found that less than 1% of young people, young adults, I'm not talking about like 13, they're included in it. I'm talking it goes all the way up to the 30s. Young adults, that their population in the United States has a biblical worldview, meaning that they believe that Jesus is real. They believe he's the way, the truth, and the life, and that the crucifixion was real, and he raised the dead, like he raised from the dead three days later. Okay, that's biblical worldview. Only 1%. There may be 250, 300 people here today. 1% out there believes what what I'm speaking. Another study uh, study showed that Fuller Seminary also looked at, and that Fuller, man, Fuller Institute, all those, they're really cool people, also looked at why young people, again, that age bracket, not just elementary, high school, I'm talking young adults too, why are they falling away from their faith? 
The Fuller study determined that the most important factor in whether young people leave the church or remain steadfast in their faith is whether they have a safe haven to express their doubts, questions, and concerns regarding their faith before leaving home. Such a refuge is found in two places. You ready? Home is number one. You know where number two is? Their youth group. Two studies conducted that both Barna Group and USA Today found that nearly 75% of Christian young people fall away from the faith and leave the church right after high school. 75%. Tonight, we might have 50 to 70 kids here. 50% of them, before they leave high school, will leave the faith. Does that not bother anybody? Like we're talking life and death here. We're talking eternity. We're talking about when one of their friends passes away because of whatever reason, how are they going to deal with it? They're not going to turn to God. They're going to turn to something else because they don't believe in it anymore because of either the seeds that were sown before them were rotten seeds and not good examples or they're choosing to run the opposite direction. It's important for us as believers, I don't care if you're a parent or not, it's important for us to take a stand and say, no, God is a priority. God is a priority. Church will be a priority. Which, hey, I just don't want, I just, I want to be a friend to my kid. And I, and I, wake up call. God didn't call you to be their friend. He called you to be their parent. And there's so many times that my, my son's in this room right now. We, We've had it out before. And I want to be my bud's friend. I want him to go to school and I want him to tell me I want to be like my dad. But what comes first is that my son knows that God is most important. My son knows what I believe. And I help him and I guide him. And when he, in Proverbs, it says, when he leaves my house, when I give them good godly example, when I give them good seed, he won't run from the faith. I trust that I, the God that is raising people from the dead is going to take my son and my daughters and he's going to hold them. And he's going to help me guide them so that one day he won't leave the faith. We need a wake-up call, church. I'm not trying to be mean or anything like that, but do you know how many texts I go through from people not wanting to be small group leaders? Do you know how hard it is for me and my wife to get people to serve in kids? If you don't do it, who's doing it? You can sit there. I don't need another Christian to give me their opinion. I need a Christian to show love and grace. And when we come out of this, all this torture and all this pain and stuff like that, all of a sudden the world sees Christians as people that were there, not people that were there condemning and going, you, 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 let me tell you my opinion. We got to get it together, folks. 
There's a world that is going to hell. And we can sit in our comfortable butt seats right here and at home all we want to. But until you take it serious and you get off your feet and you go do what God told us to do, Jesus told us, go to the ends of the earth and proclaim my kingdom. Then we'll start seeing life to the fullest. We'll start looking at this verse and going, your will be done, not mine. We'll change perspective. Guys, the average kid spends 30 hours per week at school getting taught things that are great, but they're also getting taught things that are anti-biblical. They come home and they spend 30 hours a week at least on games, my son included, on games, social media, Snapchat, Instagram, This is in contrast to the time that we as a church, because if you're sitting there saying, well, that's your job, preacher. Let me explain something. On average, I get 45 minutes a week. What are you doing? Well, I don't have kids. (laughs) Even better. What are you doing with your time? I'm not trying, again, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm, this is, I'm passionate about this because I'm sick and tired of bad news. And we have good news laid out in front of us, but we're choosing to push it away. We need more people saying, God, stoke my fire. I'm so sick of this. Give me a holy wind. We need revival, folks. That's what we need. We need revival. We need someone to stand up and do something. This is a great resource for those that are trying to figure out what's going on in in your kids and with you. If you're losing faith in your app, I even put a link. I made it simple for you. You just put a, you click on that link and it takes you right to this book. This is Kara Powell. I've went through so many seminars with her and I've, I've, I do this with my kids. This is a great resource if you feel like you're losing your faith. Or maybe you want to help your kids and they're going through a hard time. She has so many great things. But this right here is called Growing With. You can go to the Growing With book and uh, get that resource. Because I I need some help, y'all. I got three kids. And I need somebody to be an example for them. And if I can't find that in my own church, in my own online community, where am I going to find it? So as your pastor, one of your pastors, I plead with you. Let's have a revival. What's a revival, Chase? That sounds old school. (laughs) It is because it's been going on for a long time. A revival is a spiritual awakening. It's, it, it means that you, you're asleep right now. And all of a sudden, you, everything changes when it's someone you know. And so that's going to happen, and you're going to need a spiritual awakening. And you're going, okay, this is what Chase is talking about. This is what Chase is talking about. We, we need to have a spiritual awakening. We need a love for God. That's what we need. 
We need an appreciation of God's holiness that we've lost somewhere along the way. We need a new passion for God's word and his church. That's what we need. We need a convicting awareness of sin. Sin is not okay. I'm telling you, there's a reason why God tells us that. It's not okay. Stop acting like it's okay. I'm convicted by that. I'm in the same boat. I'm preaching to me too. We need a desire for repentance and growth in his righteousness. We need more people to get off their tails and start going, I surrender God. I want you and I want a holy wind to come take on me. Is anybody out there listening and willing to do that with me? Come on. Jesus, will you stand with us? Come on, everybody in this room, stand up. I need you guys to have a revival in this place because every one of us need it. God is calling you. He's calling every individual to have a revival. I will say this. When you have a revival, that doesn't mean that you come in and have a concert and it's all good. What a revival is, is a lifestyle. It's not a season. Do you hear me? If you're gonna take on this revival and you're gonna take on this, it's a lifestyle. And it doesn't look pretty, but it is amazing ride. Because you feel replenished, you have hope. You can look somebody in their eyes and you can say, there is hope for you today. There's hope for you today. Revival is a lifestyle, not a season. And it starts with you individually. Jesus, Lord, I have tried, I have been convicted. God, I've been numb this week and I've tried to listen to you. God, I know that you are working not just in me, but in people in this room and online. And you're calling them one by one and you're saying, first of all, come to me. And then you're gonna tell them, I'm, I'm gonna give you a refreshing. And you're gonna tell them that you, you're gonna start revival in their lives. God, will you give us the courage to take that out of, our, of this building into our homes, into our, into our, our kids' bedrooms? God, will you, will you just start a, a burning in our spirit to glorify you, to do the right thing? Lord, I, I'm one man. And I need other believers to stand up and say, I refuse to lose the faith. Instead, I want to be like a city on a hill. I want to light it up. I want to sow good seeds. I want to have this crop that is so huge and we hard, the harvest is plenty. I need people to rise up, God. So will you please start a revival? Start a revival in us today. That's our solution. We surrender Jesus. If you were encouraged by today's message and made a decision to follow Jesus, be sure you let us know by connecting with us online at marathonchurch.org. 
If you haven't already, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. To experience more messages, videos, and live gatherings, visit us at marathonchurch.org or download the Marathon Church app. Thank you for listening to Marathon Church Podcast.